Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Discover North Korea with me, Zoe from Zoe Discovers. This is the podcast that shows you a different side of North Korea than you would usually get from the media and tries to kind of expand that narrative. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. Everyone says how much of a mystery North Korea is um, and how much you hardly ever get in there. Well, if you're listening to this, you probably know that you can go to North Korea as a tourist, but you may not have known, I mean, a lot of people get really interested to see that I take videos and do photos there and stuff like that. Well, I take very small videos and vlogs and put them up on YouTube, but there are actually some documentaries, full-on films and documentaries that have been made in North Korea in the past. And today, we're going to be speaking about one of those in particular, and we have a very special guest on the show. He's done a bunch of documentaries in North Korea, including Comrade Kim Goes Flying, um, Crossing the Line. I'm going to introduce you to those later on because they're absolutely incredible pieces of work um, and really, really interesting documentaries. But today... Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about one in particular that is Aim High in Creation, a really fascinating documentary. Um, it offers such a unique perspective on the power of art and cinema to inspire change and ignite social movements. It's directed by a woman called Anna, um, and this film takes us really deeply into the world of North Korea, um, a country, like I mentioned, so often shrouded in mystery. What sets this documentary apart uh, is its kind of unconventional approach to storytelling. So Anna, what she does, she's this Australian woman. She is inspired by the North Korean regime's propagandist films, and she decides to make her own propaganda film, basically um, because she's trying to inspire social movement in the town where she lives because there is a mine being built um, that, you know, is bad for the environment and she doesn't want it to be built there. So she's trying to inspire um, social movement and social change. So she goes to North Korea to basically learn these techniques of propaganda um, and you know, in hope to, to stop things um, happening in her hometown. The documentary is interesting in itself because it's kind of a film within a film. The main part of the film, the documentary, it's from memory, it's about an hour and a half, and the main part of it is you seeing Anna learning these propaganda techniques. So the main part of Aim High and Creation is filmed in North Korea and it's about her learning and her journey 
to understanding the North Korea propaganda machine. Very, very interesting. And then the last 10-15 minutes of the film are then Anna's film that she made using techniques learned in North Korea. So I found it super interesting. It's a really, really good documentary and it's now available for you to download and to stream online. And that's exactly why I chose this as a topic today. And for you guys, very super lucky because like I said today, our guest is going to be Nick Bonner. He um, has done lots of cool art, um, engagement projects, film projects in North Korea. And we'll kind of speak about that. Um, Without further ado, let's stop me chatting um, and we're going to welcome Nick to the podcast. Nick, welcome to the podcast once again. Um, this is actually your Sorry. yeah, your second time on the podcast. Uh, if you can remember back, you were on episode two. Um, but today we're going to be talking about something much more interesting and definitely picking uh, your brains a little bit for your expertise on this topic, which is uh, we're going to talk about aim high in creation. So, I mean, do you want to just kind of introduce it in your own words and talk a little bit about your involvement and stuff like that first, and then I'll I'll pick your brains, ask you some questions. Yeah, there's. I mean, we we just shot. Uh, well, I mean, we made this sort of trilogy of documentaries with the BBC with Dan Gordon, and uh, that's a, another story altogether. And we'd made them with a North Korean producer called Ron Mihua. And uh, very, very sort of, I mean, for us, wonderful films, because observational, at least I think they're as observational as you can be. And uh, incredible access. I mean, the, the access that the state give you is one thing, but then working with this producer, this North Korean producer, for example, we got access to not just the family, but the family home. And that was purely down to her effort. So, um, and the same thing, meeting the, American defectors. We, we didn't get just access to the American defectors. We got access to the kids, and and the story just developed. She gets, she gets, she understands exactly what we're after, and pushes on our behalf, which you know you can imagine is is very difficult in a in a country where you're you're very limited in in really the access you get or you're given officially. So she was working for us, and we we decided after making so many documentaries that actually we wanted to make a feature film, and and started. The idea of Comrade Kim Goes Flying, um, the story of a, a a girl who is a coal miner and dreams of becoming a trapeze artist, a, a feature film, uh, started off as a short story. But we'd started uh, writing the script and by sort of 2012, we'd shot the film and we were in post-production. And then uh, a director called Anna Barinsky, who's, who's, who's known for sort of quite a couple of other documentaries. I mean, do look her up. Fascinating documentary on a, 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 a true or fake story set in Iran. Anyhow, that's a, that's the classic story of hers. She wanted to shoot a, a, a film in North Korea looking at how they make propaganda films, which also sort of interested me, but with the idea of making a film within a film and, and the story of her sort of vehicle was gas fracking was happening, happening in Australia. She wanted to make a a film about uh, gas fracking and how dangerous it was and why not sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek go to North Korea and, and film. I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite too sure perhaps of her, uh, you know, the volition really, you know, was it, was it really there to, to you, as you can imagine, many people want to get access to North Korea and, and not necessarily for the right reasons or certainly for reasons that will make them famous, but maybe put us, and our Korean colleagues uh, into problems. So we're, we're fairly careful who we work with. But mm. Anna actually had a genuine interest in, in propaganda films. She'd read, she'd read the, uh, the, the, the manifesto by Kim Jong-il, The Art of Cinema. So she knew all about it. She'd watched a few films. And so there was a, sort of a level of trust there. And uh, she tried to go through various people. North Koreans weren't speaking to her. There was a couple of companies she'd spoken to were charging phenomenal amounts of money and eventually we sort of having said said no a couple of times I spoke to her uh, at that time there wasn't it was going to buy phone and we agreed to help her so I will continue there's a little bit more about that so so the only way to help really was for me to go into North Korea to meet my colleagues to explain that they want to make a story propaganda with uh, you know make a film understand propaganda which would mean meeting their they're world famous directors, they're North yeah. Korean directors. And um, 
and then them coming in and asking questions to these directors. How do you shoot a propaganda film? And then Anna would go back and then make her film within a film, her feature film within the documentary film. And so Ryom said yes, and uh, we headed off um, and 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 met this incredible bunch of and some gorgeous little bites. My my favourite bit was where Anna introduced herself. We arrived, sorry, we arrived in Pyongyang, and uh, Anna sort of met all the directors. I was in this in in the film studio just outside Pyongyang, and I remember they were all around there and actors, you know, all the top the top people. I mean, really the top. Wow. And uh, there's a lovely guy, Mr. Pack, who sort of who is sort of they're all being very quiet and austere, listening to her. And she said, "Well, I'm doing a film. It's been I want to make a film. I want to learn from you." And I want to do something about you know climate change, which is you know this gas fracking. Do you understand what climate change is? And silence. And Pat turned around and said, "Does she think we're from the moon?" Suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> everyone laughed and everyone relaxed, and, oh, you know, and it was lovely. So, so it was this sort of idea. Then, then sort of she'd she'd by accident, you know, sort of broken the. Uh, the atmosphere into this sort of wonderful sort of lightness and then what comes out of this film and she's very good at picking up picking this up is the characters um yeah and, and that's why this film to me works because it's not done in the patronizing way w with the people that she interviews and it's wonderful it's a it's a total eye-opener very very refreshing Amazing. Um, I have I actually have so many questions about it. Um, perhaps we can go back to the very start of what you said, and you said that um, that you uh, meet with one of your, uh, you know, director, the North Korean director, um, or the, this, um, you know, the person who helps you kind of facilitate all of these. So, is this the same? Yeah, producer. Yeah. Right. So she or he, I don't know, would help you with. She, um, she helps you with all of the projects that you've done in North Korea, and how did you yeah, come about but, meeting her for the first time and stuff like that. Yeah, the, well, the the first time uh, we, we we Dan Gordon approached me back in nineteen ninety nine about the the story of the 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 North Korean football team of nineteen sixty six who created the greatest shock in World Cup history by beating the Italians and uh, and it's an amazing match. In fact, we, it was an amazing amazing story yeah, um, and nice. incredible characters. They gave their lives at the yeah. and um, uh, yeah. so 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 well, what had happened? How we got that contact was I'd been the guy who we, we'd been doing all our tours with, choreo tours, sort of trips with, uh, was a very keen football player. And and he knew Pat Duick. So, you know, for us, the stories were that these football players were arrested on their return after 66 for having been drunk and lost, sort of thrown the last game, if you like, against Portugal. No one knew anything about them. The only person they knew that was still alive was Pat Duick because supposedly he hadn't gone carousing in Liverpool and uh, drinking. Okay. And so he was the only one who had not you. been drinking. So he was the only one available. Right. And in fact, so but this chap knew knew him just just sort of socially and and uh, and said, look, you know, are you up for a film? And he then introduced uh, um, us to Romy Hua who is uh, the, the, the working for this this state in, uh, industry, the film industry called Core Film. And she said, OK, we'll make the film with these people. Um, at that time, no documentary had been made. So there'd been one Polish film made, but there'd been no documentary made where you actually interview North Koreans, uh, you know, a proper full-on doc. So this was, this was new territory for them. And uh, I went over and met her. And, and uh, you know, there's a massive amount of distrust because everyone going into North Korea, they're, they're not daft. They know full well that, you know, people come in from the West with one story and then, you know, want to develop another one. And of course, this story, uh, the game, their lives was linked to this, the idea they'd all been sent to Yodok prison camp. So there's a lot of stories after this, after they throw this match against, are thrown this match against the, uh, the Portuguese that they'd returned in disgrace and were imprisoned. So we had very sensitive issues to discuss, and we did, uh, and we dealt with it in a very dry way and, and, and asked them directly. And she was happy with the film. In fact, the, the Koreans loved the film. I mean, in the end, they love oh, the film really? so much that they show it almost every year. In, yeah, in, in, you know, at, uh, come, come, the, come the time in July when the matches were taking place, they, they, show them on, they show them on television. And what was lovely about that making that film was that suddenly these these players who had actually been forgotten? I mean, they were in '66, they were recognised, but of course, time goes by, 
and and North Korea not being up on social media as perhaps other countries that sort of disappeared into the obscurity of time. And there's a glorious story where where uh, Pat Dwight was driving in his Mercedes and he was given that for his sports uh, sports achievements. And the policeman stopped him and, and you know for for some sort of discrepancy or something and said, Ah, I know you. You're in that film. You're Pat Dwight. So. So I mean, they all knew Pat Drake, but they never they they lost what he looked like visually. And so these glorious stories, they they suddenly became massive heroes again because their faces were sort of th thrown back on their screen as older men, you know. And so yeah, no, they 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 were dragged out every for every sort of activity you could possibly have. After that, uh, wonderful lads, you know, really lovely lads. So Rom and I then you know we developed this uh, Rom Dan Gordon, the director of the film, me as as associate producer. We were. Uh, the three of us got on really well. Promised we'd never make another film because uh -huh. it was too exhausting. And two years, three, two years later, we were shooting the film on the Mass Games. So uh, yeah, it, it's all about you know it's about contacts and and having her, you know, just do an incredible job to understand us and trust in us. I mean, it's a big ask, you know, because the footage we were shooting, you know, you could have written a totally different story behind that. Yeah. Definitely. And I think um, that's one of the things that I, I say to people a lot is that when I, you know, people are really shocked that I can make like videos and photos in North Korea, you know, even though it's nothing compared to you doing documentaries, but people are shocked that I alone can make videos. And a lot of people ask me like, you know, can I, can, how can you make those videos? And I'm like, I the videos that I make in North Korea, anyone can make in North Korea, with the only exception of like, perhaps when I'm talking to North Korean people and interviewing them directly on the camera, technically everyone can make those videos, but like the North Koreans would probably not want to because a lot of what the vloggers have done in the past is like interview guides and stuff and then twist their words and then make the guys look rubbish on YouTube. And the guides are very aware that this happens. So yeah. Um, no, I'm, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, the thing is that, that you take an observational stance, or, or at least I think you do. But but if you if you're going to come in with a view, you know that this is the axis of view that says, well, fine. I mean, you know, let's get that's your point of view. The problem is by shooting there, you're 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 going to be putting yourself in difficulty, but you'll certainly be putting whoever takes you in and out. So you know, if you've got a, an axe to grind going into North Korea and making yourself famous and shooting a sort of, here I am, you know, in the, the most closed country in the world. Yeah, it'll get you the, the hits, but it, it leaves a lot of mess behind. Yeah. Um, I think there are sort of more subtle ways to do it. And also, if you think you're an expert after one week in North Korea, yes. then, you know, it's a bit sad, I think, yeah. you know, and most people do. So, yeah, we, you know, we, we've spent now 30 years in North Korea. And, and in fact, by the time we were shooting films, we'd already spent 15 years there and understood. So, I think, yeah, I think you do a, a very good job. Some people would perhaps to say, perhaps say, you know, you're just showing one side of it, but that is the only side you will get to see. So as long as people understand that, but, it, you know, it is real life. It is Pyongyang life. People say to us sometimes on tour, oh, I'd like to see the real life. And you think, well, this is Pyongyang. You know, this is, yeah. oh, no, no, but this is, you know, this is the privilege. It is a privilege. It's 2.5 million relatively privileged to go to Pyongyang. But we do go to the countryside and we, you do see what the countryside looks like. You mm -hmm. don't get to see uh, the, the areas like the camps and everything else of like that. That just is not going to happen. Uh, I mean, human rights in North Korea, not, not exactly excellent um, by any means. So, uh, but the, the, you know, the limitations are what you see on a tour is a pretty, pretty good introduction to a country. They, when we were shooting with Matt Jazz, um, this the 3D photographer uh, we were shooting uh, and they were said, you know, we're going to a model farm now. And and on it, we sort of said, well, you know, this is seen, this is a model farm. This is a propaganda farm. But if, if the best they've got is, you know, a cow, you know, with a cart and what have you, that is, you know, it's not exactly, you know, propaganda. It, it's tough there. It's a very, very tough life. And it's, it's a tough country. Definitely. So in terms of filming in a tough country, maybe you can talk us through a little bit about what's it like trying to facilitate these things. And we'll get back on to exactly Aim High and Creation and stuff. But I'm just wondering in general, like, do you, what, in, what kind of difficulties do you encounter trying to film these documentaries in North Korea? And how do you go about facilitating that in a country that is so closed and that does try and, you know, not show certain sides and stuff? 
Yeah, I, th I think you sort of you choose your story and you realize. So, with for example, the three documentaries we did, you know, the game of their lives, like I said, was was we wanted to ask about the imprisonment of the players on their return, a state of mind. We we sort of questioned about the the arduous march, this period of starvation in North Korea. And uh, for the, for crossing the line, the story on the American defectors, it was about about the Japanese abductions, etc. So we certainly don't shy away from very sensitive topics, but they related to the topic we we're particularly filming. We don't go in. I, I know there have been people going to make one story and then use that just as back footage yeah. to tell another story, for example, about nuclearization, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we we so first of all, you 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 stick to us a, a line. That you know, obviously goes to the mass games. He wanted to follow two girls during their training to the final performance, and on that way, you're picking up the stories that are relative to that main theme, mm -hmm. and that's with all of our stories. Um, and and with Aim High in Creation, we wanted to see how you know how did the directors work with their actresses. So you know, we the, the, Anna was filming that 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 was the storyline. There's nothing else brought in, and always coming back to. The sort of the story of, the, of of cinema, the art of cinema by 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 Kim Jong Il. So you, you you've always got a strong direction, and your Korean party understand that you have to ask these sensitive questions. They don't like it, but mm. they understand that you know there are going to be areas. But they 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 sort of they start getting into the grey area, but not that not too far. So um, that's the first thing I think is is really knowing where you, where you're taking the the sort of film. Things certainly come along as you know you're making documentaries. Things certain drop in. You know, for example, when we started shooting um, uh, the the American story of the American defectors in Crossing the Line, we didn't know that they had kids. Right. You know, so that's suddenly a, you know suddenly you said, would you like to see their children? You think, what? <laughs> so that opens up a whole new avenue. But but it's all relative. So that that works. The second one is getting, you know, the permissions, just getting the camera equipment in and mm -hmm. the crew in safely. And with Anna's, uh, with Anna's film, we we uh, basically the sound man wasn't such a sound man, and uh, was an alcoholic and had some mental problems and and didn't turn up. Right. Uh, I wanted so to on ask the you day, about this. On yeah. the day we were heading off, so <laughs> we we basically had to train the North Korean to uh, you know become a sound man. So he was actually working. If you like, you know, with Anna, with Anna, so uh, working with the enemy. That's quite. Um, so that was quite, 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 quite extraordinary. And yeah. you can imagine, yeah, we were sort of trying to get them visas. We, I mean, the the day before they flew, you know, it was the sorry, it was the day of the flight. He wow. just hadn't turned up. So that was interesting. Um, uh, so things like that happen. You know, trying to get your camera equipment, you know, actually in through China, the logistics of that, then into North Korea. That's quite a, quite a task, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, and then, then it's sort of your filming, and then one of the big sort of situations there is to try and limit the amount of Koreans you're followed by, because you know otherwise you end up being with a, a pretty significant crew. What, what one of the documentaries we shot recently was Michael Palin in North Korea, and they it was with a, the travel company, and they they attached and you know more 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 North Koreans than the actual film crew. So we eventually just had to say, look, this isn't how you shoot a documentary. Right. Because that's a, perhaps another sort of interesting thing. There's a Russian film made. I'm just trying to remember its name. I'll, I'll come up. We'll put it up underneath here. And they they sort of did a documentary, and actually the documentary became how the North Koreans were directing this documentary. But that actually is how North Koreans make documentaries. They everything is sort of you know you will say this. It's almost like a feature film for mm -hmm. a North Korean a documentary is everyone who has rehearsed their lines and know, knows what's going to happen. Look right. more joyful as this surprise gift arrives. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, 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 do it again. Oh, <laughs> so, so we've, we've got very different ideas of what a documentary is for a start. Um, but but it's, 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 so what we tend to do is make sure that we really surround ourselves by the minimum of, 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 of people. So when we were shooting with, with, with Crossing the Line, even I would stand at the door, Dan and I with the director, and we, it would just be the cameraman just going around in the, in the people's homes, filming them, camera and sound, picking up what they're saying. And then you come back in, in for an interview just to sort of let them relax. And I think we did 130 hours filming for A State of Mind. I mean, so much so that the girl at the end they're very, very tired. They've been practicing. They've been to school in the mornings, mass games in the afternoons. And they got in, you know, we'd, eventually the camera would sort of follow them into their bed and they go oh, and they go, enough! <laughs> Put the, so, yeah, we, you know, the access really was has, has been incredible. 
it's got more and more difficult as people uh, have abused, if you, if you call it abused, or have pushed, should I say, um, and and made documentaries with with you know with alternative and uh, sort of edits. Yeah. So you know they go in to film one thing and come out filming another, and that that causes a great deal of problems. I mean, a, a classic one would have been. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's but there's a film with with two South sorry two um, Korean lads who go in and the Red filmed by Red Chapel that caused a lot of problems and put people in difficulties yeah. because the the film that it was just yeah it was basically a piss take. I mean it's a, you know interesting film but it it causes problems uh, in North Korea which which we we don't like. Yeah, and then there was another one. I don't know if we're talking about the same one. I remember there's one Red Chapel. It was Red Chapel. So it was yeah, Red Chapel. That was the oh, that was the one. one. The one that yeah. I was thinking of is one where they went in to film something, and then they found that they were being obstructed too much by filming, so they ended up filming everything that they weren't. That's allowed. the Russian one. Yeah, that's oh, the that Russian film. Russian. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that, and, 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 and I mean, I was you know I, I think it's Ukrainian. I mean, it was you know it's an interesting film, but I'm yeah. Can we look up his, the name so we don't feel yeah, so yeah. I feel terribly ignorant? He's okay. a lovely man. I mean, you know, maybe, but the, to him, he knew that, that that was fascinating, and it is fascinating. But it's but it but the problem is in the end, it, it the, for the North Koreans, it, it it's it's not something that passes their uh, census. I mean, we have problems when we made um, when we made a, a state of mind. They said to us, you know, you said this film is very dark. And we thought, oh my god, here we go. They said, no, no, dark. You know, it's always and so that was one thing and then they said but this film is not very good it is too much like real life very boring oh, and we thought got it you know, it's the best criticism you can have yeah it's it's interesting that you should say that you know unfortunately i i guess tourism is becoming more and more open in a lot of ways over the past 30 years since you've been working there i presume you can say but it's a shame that the the opposite is happening with the documentaries almost and the filming yeah they were, i mean you can't shoot i mean so i mean tourism hasn't actually opened up i mean it's pretty much the same country i visited you know if i if i was allowed in now as it was in 1993 uh, there's more you know we've we've pushed my colleague simon cockrell has pushed massively to open up areas as you know as all our staff have but he he in particular opened up probably East Coast and Sinaju and you know we will together we worked pushing the marathon and things so yeah you, there's more to do you're still pretty restricted what what's different is that you can now go in with a, a phone and make a, a film whereas in the old days you you need a you know even pre-video camera pre-digital pre-2002 you really couldn't make a it's very difficult to make films on these sort of small cameras. Our first film was with Andy Kershaw. I must get that up actually at some time. It was a travel show, I think in 96. Oh, I'll, wow. I'll put it up on our Vimeo site. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it was us going, Andy Kershaw, here I am, I think North Korea. And uh, we filmed it on a very small sort of little NHC, so on, on tape. So it's oh, not wow. great quality, but it's a, it's a wonderful film. It's very yeah. good. I've never but, seen that. So yeah, no, no. It, it's... The what, sorry? I've never seen that, so you'll have to get that up. So I'd be. Interested. Oh yeah, no, no. I'll put it up. I'll put it up immediately on Vimeo. I'll, I'll get it up before when this program goes out. Well, this comes out super. Um, back onto uh, aim high and creation because I don't know how much time you have, and I want to talk about that still. So, um, you mentioned the top people in you in North Korea were there. Um, like top people in terms of like directors and stuff like that. Who are we talking about here, and how do you get them to be in the film? Like, yeah, yeah basically it, it is it is the top directors so that 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 was me just they i mean they knew us um from i, I mean basically you if you watch the film i don't want to give too much away but there's one man in particular who's sadly dead now one of a lovely white-haired man mr bank and uh yeah i, I mean basically they, they follow they meet the actresses they meet the whole lot to get to get the you know, cinematographers to try and understand the language of film in North Korea. Um, and most of these people know us because we had just finished filming um, uh, Comrade Kim Goes Flying, uh, which won the sort of, I don't know, it's, it's, like, it's like getting a Blue Peter badge really? you know, as a rock band. It's not the sort of thing you want. We won the Best Director at the Pyongyang Film Festival. Oh, um, so, yeah, so <laughs> great. Woo but um, oh, they Peter knew Peter. us. Everybody... 
but uh, yeah, no, no. I, I, I think basically, you know, we were well known. So they came and they brought out by that time, Ryan Mihua, she'd made pretty good documentaries with us. They, they'd been sort of regarded as, you know, well shot, if not, you know, only they were worried about the last two films. But again, their lives were such a powerful film in North Korea. She did well out of that. Mm. And uh, and this and, and the Comrade Kim Goes Flying film. So they brought out all their big guns, really. Um that's the question of me going and, and speaking to people uh, and, and, and just and pushing them, saying, look, we'd like you to be part of this film. And I promise you that, you know, we won't abuse you. So you'd, I'd meet them. I'd, I'd, we did a recce before Anna came in and, and met the people um, with Riom and, and explained it to them a little bit, the story, as much as I knew the story anyhow. So they had an idea. Um, and then that was it. Anna went in with a very small crew, a female crew. And uh, yeah, I, I, they liked her. You know, they enjoyed it. What What did the North Koreans think about the concept? Think about the story. Were they more interested in the fact that they, you know, they were going to be teaching their propaganda, or were they more interested in in her cause, or what were they? No, and the cause a little. I mean, I, I took the so when when the filming was 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 completed, I took the short film back to show them. So at the very end of the film, it's the not to give her too much away, but there's yeah. the. I show the, the 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 directors and actresses the the film she made, and and you know the film she made is a, well you'll see it you'll, you'll judge yourself it's it's quite sort of shocking in a way for them but you know they sort of went okay that's all right there you go you know it's not it's not good I think reaction? they were sort of because we only see a little bit of their reaction what was their real reaction yeah their reaction was just, it was just, you know, there you go. That's okay. a that's a foreigner trying. You know, it's a short film. It's unusual. It 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 looks a little bit ham ham acting and ham done. And I think that was you know Anna's intention. So you know they understand. They're quite quite right. You know, it's it's not. You know, the story that the the whole idea of Anna for Anna was to get into North Korea to shoot that. You know, and and this seemed a good vehicle to put it through so um and the way it was shot it, you know it works it's it's um i've been to a few screenings of it and the western audiences you know love it it, it is it's a light fun film and and it's picked a subject oh sorry i've got so i've lost you it's um yeah it's a light fun film and uh yeah, I think the North Koreans, you know, they they they've got the same the same attitude as you to this short film as, as you would have. Um, yes. You'll see it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Everyone. Everyone has to watch this and see the see the ending. Um, see the short film. And yeah, that's um, that's a very good way to put it. I think everyone everyone will probably think the same. Um, in a minute, <laughs> I'm going to ask you what went wrong. Um, like. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If there was anything that went wrong. But first of all, I want to know what went surprisingly right. Or was there anything that, you know, the North Koreans gave you access to something that you didn't even originally ask for? Or was there anything that was surprisingly easy? Or any anecdotes, any positive anecdotes? Yes, I didn't join the shoot. I mean, particularly in this one, I didn't want to, it was a female crew, it was a small crew, and and that's their job. But you can just see they they this just gorgeous instance where Anna, you know, they basically she tries to get into the acting role and she she tries to they're making a shoot on the Pueblo, a film on the Pueblo, which that incidentally never never was uh, uh, got. I mean, it was made and 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 uh, you know edited, went through post production, but was never sort of put out because it needs the 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 lead the stamp of the leader. 
go out. And if he doesn't think it's of good enough quality, it don't go out. Oh, both wow. the start of a film and both the end of a film. So it, anything to do with film needs the very, very, very top. So anything, anything to do with the Pueblo, sorry, or anything? No, any, anything to do with the feature film needs um, permission from the very, very top. But doesn't get Be- sure. Before being made, the script before being made. And uh, and and then then you know after after completion after post production so when it's ready to get to cinemas so the Pueblo never made the grade and that was it so there's a lot of films that get shelved oh, so you can imagine it's a lot of cost that's a lot of film so it was this part of the film that wasn't given the stamp and therefore wasn't allowed to be put no, in it was the whole film the whole she she was oh sorry sorry so she was knocked out so she her her little bit of acting role she was just knocked out of the the final edit anyhow. Right. So I've, I've actually seen sort of the film before, uh, and and no, she wasn't in the film. They said she's too much of a wooden actress. Oh really? Um, oh, so it, this was a North yeah, Korean yeah, film yeah. being made, right? I know what you mean. Okay, so it was a North Korean film being made, and she was as an actress in it. Yeah, a bit part, along with along with one of Dresnok's uh, uh, um, sons, the eldest. This son, is actually Dresnok's in the son. documentary. Yeah. Okay, but then it didn't yeah, get made. I see what you're saying. Dad didn't get the grade, and nor did the final film make the grade. Oh, so, okay. so there's this quite interesting little story, little ins- insider story there. Yeah. Um, but no, no, I mean, so, so they no, so they you know they did an amazing job. They got on, they got on really well. You know, everybody liked them and enjoyed them. And and, and Anna had this a great you know relationship with with the directors, and it was it was. So I think the shoot was no problem. The the, the sort of shoot afterwards in the, the film in Australia was a little bit. Uh, had too many images of uh, Kim Jong Il for anyone's liking, and that that would have caused problems. Right. Sadly, that was something I couldn't. Uh, you, I would have advised against, but we missed out on. But there you go. That's sometimes you know people have their own agenda and their own things. But I didn't. It was um, no, it was all good. I mean, you know, the, the the bad side was actually you know as as you know having spent all this time and energy just to suddenly find you got no sound man going in. As right. I said on the on the, you know the day of the shoot, not very good to be at Beijing Airport going. Oh my gosh! But that yeah, was a problem so that actually tricky. happened even before you went into North Korea, which is. If yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Before they happened. went in, I was I was sending them off. I mean, you know, that was we were madly looking around. But of course, you know, you can't just get someone else in because you've got to apply for a North Korean visa, etc. Okay. So in the end, it was, uh, you know, yeah, just go and we'll, we'll we'll sort you out with the uh, with someone there. And what was interesting, we used one of the sound men that we'd used for uh, shooting um, Comrade Kim Goes Flying. They because that had been a sync sound film. So we, they actually used one of our, our crew, who'd actually worked, I think, for Shin Shanok. I'd have to check that. But uh, that was the other film, the only other films, uh, this, this, this uh, supposedly abducted South Korean um, director. So there's all sort of backstories, but I'd be here for hours if I started telling all of those ones. Oh, that's what we want to hear, though. But, but it's a lovely link, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's so, so the crew, just out of interest, the crew that we used to shoot Comma King Goes Flying, we took our sound man in to teach the North Koreans about sync sound. And we said to them, have you ever done sync sound? And they said, yeah, we, we've done it once. And then again, this was this South Korean supposed defector artist who was supposedly abducted. That's another whole story there. But it was um, fascinating. He's the guy who made Pulgasari and yes, uh, Love, Love, My Love. Great, great the film, Pulgasari. It's one of those, um, yeah. if you want to... Not shown, life, but certainly shown... Yeah, yeah. Not, not, it wasn't really. I don't know if it was actually shown in North Korea. I don't believe it was, but I, I think the film was perhaps of a small screening. But it's not known inside North Korea, whereas and the other works have subsequently been pulled. I did not know that. Well, if um, if any of our listeners haven't yet seen Pulgasari or even heard of it, then just type it into Google. You can find it on YouTube, actually, with English subtitles. It is, you know, sit down and set yourself up with a with a beer or something because you'll probably need it as you try and sit through the most bizarre film of your life. Yeah, to death. It's one of the most it's scary it? films I've ever seen. It's <laughs> truly. Um, did, did anything else go wrong? Did anyone get into trouble? Is every you know, did everything else go smoothly the way? No, no. I mean, uh, it, they didn't. I don't think you know that the film sort of caused caused consternation because of, of the portrayal of of, of uh, the leader in in the sort of the 
subsequent for the film within the film. Amazing. But um, no, I mean, it was all, all, all went, you know, went to town. It was fine. We, we, we uh, close, I would say, you know, you've got to be very careful with these things. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a close, close one thing. Yeah, it's incredible that um, the biggest problem, I still can't get over the fact that the biggest problem you encountered was before you even got into North Korea. <laughs> um, this film was all about learning the techniques of North Korean propaganda and stuff like that. As someone, so I presume you were there for the whole time, kind of facilitating. And Not for the shoot, no, but only for, so, so my, my job was to basically get them into North Korea and then let them on their own. So no, I, I was pre getting them in, doing the recce, meeting the actors and actors and directors, and then they went in on their own. So I said, I waved off, you know, goodbye to them at the airport okay. and left in the hands of Ryan. It's, it's, it, it was a film that was very much, you know, it was going to be led by, you know, the director. She had her own views and that was that, that was better to, to leave. Otherwise, the crew becomes too big. So it yeah. was fine. Absolutely fair enough. Well, now that you've seen the film, at least, have you, as a as a filmmaker, as a you know, as a producer, um, how, what did you learn about filmmaking from this kind of North Korean propaganda? And you know, did 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 you take any valuable lessons from it? <laughs> no, sad, sadly, I was having drummed into me for over the last <laughs> thirty years. So uh, I, I yeah, read the book. No, I mean, you know, no, no. I mean, you know, it's always fun. It's always it's. The, the the greatest thing is you you know like anything is you see the humanity come out and what you what you I, mean, I think to me it's the, the again that that first scene of where she's sat there she comes and she introduces herself and she's sat around with this scene of North Koreans that you see on every single television bite of them sat down stony faced and like they're not giving you know an inch and then suddenly that click as it changes and then this, and then the whole thing starts rolling. Because if you can sit down and eat and drink and get to know Koreans um, and they feel that they're on safe ground, then they're very happy to talk. You know, they're professionals, they're filmmakers. They may make propaganda films, but they want to make the best propaganda film they ever can. I mean, the, the fun with the feature film is, you know, we were we were away from propaganda. So we were sort of slightly more flexible with what we can do. But it's it's their actors and their writers who add the, the, the magic to it. It's, it wasn't us. So, you know, the, the, the reason why her documentary, Anna's documentary is so good is because the Koreans are such wonderful, warm, uh, interesting characters. Yeah. It's not because she's leading it all the way through. They're there. They're making the jokes. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. yeah. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, you, you just look at it and you say, I mean, they're tough buggers. I mean, you, you, you know, you, 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 if you're an actor working with some of those directors, you'd be absolutely scared stiff. Oh uh, but that's really? like anywhere, you yeah. know, they're, they're, you know, they are. As an actor, as a director, the one thing I did say is, you know, the actors only smile once, which is once at the start of the end, the approval of the script, and once at the end. <laughs> they're right, visible. And there's they're only males who are directors. We we managed to to have um, a female editor mm -hmm. uh, for for our film Comrade Kim Goes Flying. North Korean female editor. Yeah, her name's Edit because basically a friend introduced. She came to do the post production in Beijing, and a, a, a chap who spoke English said, "Hello, I, my name's uh, uh, Martin," and she went, "I am Edit," and she says, "Oh, Edith, hello, nice." <laughs> so she now she knows she's unmarried or whatever, but goes around by the the moniker of uh, Edith. Um, but yeah, for for directors, it's just a male role. So I hope that that one thing would be nice to change one day, but we'll see. Yeah. And I think you brought in a, up an important point that, um, which I think that comes through in your art as well. I just wanted to ask you about that. Is that, you know, they are North Koreans, but they are also professionals. Like they are filmmakers, they're directors, they're actors, and stuff like that. And so, um, even though they are producing propaganda, like you said, they are professionals. They want to do the best in their job, and it's the same for artists. It's the same for you know whatever kind of um, creation that is seen as propaganda. So I'm wondering, um, from your perspective, can North Korean films and can North Korean art only be seen as propaganda, or is there is there art behind the production? Well, it's a big, big question that many people ask. I mean, the 
yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, to sort of you know, they they are produced the best they can because they want to. It's not because they're you know they're frightened they might lose their job. I mean, that must come into it somewhere. But as an artist, as someone who's trained, that yeah, they they there is. I'm sure innately they want to produce good stuff. It's not like you know there's a fear of suddenly being pulled out of your job and 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 sent off elsewhere. So I th- and and you see that you know people want to be at the best studio, which is studio that I can't mention at the moment because it's on sanctions. But they want to be at the best studios. They obvi- because it, you know it's an it's it's one it's to do with their position in society, and the other one is they're probably looked after a damn sight better than if they were in an art studio, you know, in one sun or something. So there's benefits if you do well, you 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 get the accolades that follow that. As I mentioned with Pat Dewitt, you know, as a football player, you know, he did well and he got a house and he got a car from it. So yeah, but he wanted to do well because he's a football player and. He, you know, well, that's that's just innately in there. Is it art? Is it a difficult one? I mean, the the I would say speaking to Chinese artists here who are, who were painting in in the sort of eighties, uh, seventies, and eighties, they were worker artists. You know, they're they're producing work for the state. Um, it's all socialist realism, but they will continue. So so yeah, they there's they're worker artists. They they produce works that you know that are basically the the commissioner of, of all their the person who commissions their work is the state. It's the Workers' Party of Korea. They're going to produce pieces that uh, exemplify the revolution. And, and that's what you're going to get. The fun of us working with them is that we can push that remit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the works, for example, we did for the Venice uh, Architectural Biennale um, in 2014 and, and with architects there, we, you, we're giving them a, a, a sort of a brief that is wider than anything they've ever had. So that's fun, seeing them work with that. One of my favourites was working with them with the the the, the, the Future is Bright, a, a series of futuristic... Yeah. yeah, and because basically the artists and I, uh, we've both grown up in the sort of 60s and we both sort of... He was a little bit, he's a bit older than me, but we both sort of believed in this, you know, this wonderful bright future of heading off in space as nine-year-olds and, you know, what have you. And his stories were slightly more socialist-led, that they went off as groups, you know, all supporting each other. And, of course, the Americans were the baddies, and mine one was just more of an individualistic, I'm in a rocket heading to Mars. <laughs> so that was a, 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 all going underwater. So that was fun, you know, just to, to for them to actually sort of, to widen their, their briefs, if you, brief, if you like, um, but yeah, it is art. I mean, you, you, I mean, fil- films like Flower Girl are incredibly impressive, you know, f- f- films. I mean, they're very high, they've got a high amount of propaganda in them, obviously. But, you know, show me any film, whether it be in the States, whatever, that doesn't have, you know, these, most of these sort of big sort of war films, et cetera, or, or you know, futuristic films set, God bless America, we're going to fight on. And the same with the British films, what have you. So yeah, there's, you know, we're all, we're all loaded, everything's loaded. Gosh, yeah, I don't know which one was it. What's the Tom Cruise airplane one? The one that came. Yeah, out? Uh, yeah, you, you, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I watched that, and I'm like, not airplane one. I no, airplane you know? <laughs> was the sort of the spoof one, but yeah, what was it called? Yeah, no, no, no. There's this. Yeah, I mean, you just have to understand that there's. Yeah, they. You know, people when you when you make a film, you need goodies, baddies, and and it's, you fill in bits in between in that sort of film. That's how North Korea make films. Uh, they just, you know, the enemy in that case is very clearly coming from the west but is it our i don't i don't know i mean yeah i think there are some bloody you know you when you sort of get into north korean films you think woohoo this is gonna be so exciting and then after five minutes you're fast asleep after the first one because yeah. it's such a revolutionary tale that you know it'll knock you out but you know if you watch something like hong kil dong or uh pyongyang nalpram i mean they're fantastic sort of kick-ass uh, uh taekwondo sort of driven films order 027 Amazing film. I think a couple of people died in the making of that, but uh, the stunts pretty remarkable. That's intense. <laughs> I've never seen that one. Okay, I have to watch out for it. Um, two questions before you go. Um, the first one is going to be a little bit longer. Um, the first one is back to Aim High and Creation. What makes it so special? What makes it stand out from the other documentaries that you've like helped to produce and stuff like that? What What would be one thing that you would say about Aim High and Creation? Again, my creation is very a very personal story, and it's Anna's sort of story that she wanted to get out. It was something she wanted to to get out of her system. Um, 
and it's just yeah it's it's those it's the humor in it because she, it's 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 you know she's there up front you know whereas in the documents we make we're standing behind the scenes and we're letting the the, the players speak or the americans speak we're out of camera she's in shot so it's her story and it, it's a nice one it's it's that's what's i think the fun is she carries it through and and it's it's her interaction with North Koreans that what well, that that's I think is the the sort of the the passage that gets you through it all. Yeah. So it's fun, it's kitsch, and 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 it's it's a good idea. And you you know you, yeah. I I'm, I'm not going to tell you what you learn from it, but I think it's well it's really well worth a watch. It's a fun watch. Definitely, and I think that's one of my favorite things about it is, like you said, it's kind of it's kind of a ca- a way to candidly see the North Koreans because it is a film about filming and so you do see you see not only Anna you know the director but you see the North Koreans just being like they're not just actors you see the actors as well but then you see the you know the the directors and stuff and you see how everything works kind of behind scenes and it's really human and it's really pure and and that's what I love about it because you know that that's what I love about doing the job like tour guiding is just being with the North Koreans and you know seeing like that they are just humans like the rest of us, but you know the jokes that you make with them and the the annoying conversations you have with them, and then how difficult they are sometimes, and then how funny they are sometimes, just like every other human in the world. So, totally, um, I and mean, most, I mean, particularly with you, is where you know the guys do get on with you, where they 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 sort of gripe, they start using you to gripe against some of the tourists, going, God, that, what do you think about that person, Zoe? <laughs> because to them, you know, you're you're someone they can trust and know doesn't sort of sort of you know, gossip out into the group. So, but they can use you so they're like, what's going on with the group? I don't understand this. Why are they finding this funny? Or, or why is this person so awkward? And then you, <laughs> you sort of have to act almost like, you know, they're, because of course they've never traveled. You're having to introduce them to different cultures. Yeah. Why are some people so, you know, very much go to the next, you know, thing now or why are we being, yeah, it's just go on. That's true. They they love to gossip. I have to say, they love to gossip mm. about each other. And um, usually in the evening when we're on tour, like everyone else is just chilling out in the hotel, doing whatever they want, doing a bit of karaoke and stuff. And we're we're half working, planning the next day, but half just gossiping about the day. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> for anyone that's been on tour with me, I'm sorry, you were probably included in that gossip as well. But it's it's usually um, no malintentions. It's usually uh, good fun. <laughs> Um, my last question for you, Nick, is um, those photos in the background. Um, you've got some beautiful, for everyone that's watching us on YouTube and not listening um, on um, on podcast form, um, do you want to talk a little bit about those beautiful, I can see two of them, um, Jo Yong-hee, uh, Silence, and uh, and yeah, the map of Pyongyang. Gareth here, that's not a setup. The the Silence is a setup. That was the, <laughs> we've only got prints, that, we've got one original left, we've just sold. But these are prints. I think they were going for 120 euros because the Chicle prints, they're art prints for limited edition. That's the silence. That's we sort of borrowed that a little bit, the idea from the Pyongyang maternity ward. And it's uh, that was to sort of celebrate or, if you like, to sort of hope uh, that we're, we're, we're sort of getting over the, uh, the, the virus. So that was printed a, a year ago. And uh, was it two years ago? Two years ago now. So it's a sort of like, Let's hold on. You know, I think we're we're, we're over this, um, and that's a very important piece. We did a piece before that called uh, "Now Wash Your Hands," which is just as the virus started. If you move but this your piece was there, no? We uh, see in the background a little bit. Yep. Oh, yeah, you're right there. Yeah, <laughs> a little mini of it. So for for people who were who were listening on um, audio media only, um, the pictures that we're talking about, one of them is called. Um, Silence, which is a a North Korean um, uh, a nurse, and she's putting her finger to her mouth in a silence pose. And then Nick is currently getting us the um, wash your hands, which is the 2020 uh, you know COVID kind of North Korea thing. Which it's 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 like done like a propaganda poster. It says at the bottom, um, you know, please yeah. remember to you know please wash your hands. Um, and it's a woman. We got this just out as the country was 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 closed, and 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 you know North Koreans remember basically locked out the country. So this is a yeah, mm-hmm. it was an incredible mission that one. And then the other one, the beautiful thing here that was not put up as a sort of a, a dodgy sales, you know, come and buy one of these pieces of art. This piece <laughs> uh, is by Gareth Fuller, an amazing, amazing artist, and and in fact these are 
incredibly affordable. I do believe that man is going to go places. He's, he's, uh, he, we went to Pyongyang, spent weeks in Pyongyang, walking around literally everywhere, more, more places than almost anyone has been, and, and then sketching it and interpreting it as he wanted to. Um, I could show you a little, I mean, the details are quite, quite astounding. I don't know what I'm showing you there, but um, that's the Himmelsung Square and then the Juchita. But he's, he's a wonderful man. And those, he has a few prints. We basically, uh, share a bit of profit. We got a bit of commission from him um, for for each piece, but they're they're amazing, beautiful, beautiful pieces. Yeah. Um, and you yeah, know, we we're continually uh, we've got some new art that we've just produced, um, and still working with artists basically outside the sort of totally sort of semi official areas, I would say. So yeah. that we're working, we're having fun getting, and they're with these artists who I've known for a long time, and um, so you know, we we can look after them if you like. Yeah, amazing. So if anyone wants to um, look up some more North Korean art and stuff like that, then I will put in the show notes. It's uh, you go to, go on to choreostudio.com um, and I'll put in the Thank show you. notes all the information about um, the pieces that we've talked about today, as well as all of the documentaries that we've talked about today. Um, and uh, just to mention the one that Nick was talking about uh, just then, the map. It is an absolutely incredibly detailed map. Um, I know for those who are listening uh, you can't see so well but it's just it's this incredible map that you could just look at for hours and hours and hours and you could still see new things of Pyongyang it's just an incredible piece um, and those other two posters as well are very cool I particularly like the uh, wash your hands ones I keep meaning to ask you for a, a discount on one of those it's kept here for you <laughs> let's see where that goes anyway Nick uh, thank you so much for your insight as always uh, I, I always think that we could talk for hours with all of the little alleyways that we go down and stuff like that and all the anecdotes that you have of 30 years of working in the country um, but for that I'll have to get you on again I think I've taken up uh, enough of your time so thank you very much for coming on to the podcast no thank you everybody thanks sorry thank you everybody for listening sorry yeah. that I tend to the tandem but that's how you make documentaries you go online and they take you all over places indeed and that's definitely what we love here so thank you once again and uh, and i hope to speak to you again soon super thank you just before we end today's episode, I wanted to tie in some loose ends. Obviously, we spoke about a lot with Nick and with most geniuses, things kind of, you know, fly around everywhere. And I wanted to um, to talk about go over some things that we talked about, mainly including all of the documentaries that we spoke about and some of the art as well and how you guys can go about watching it and also why you should. So firstly, I wanted to mention Comrade Kipungo's Flying. So this is a 2012 documentary and it's a really heartwarming North Korean romantic comedy. The film follows the story of King Yong Mi, who is a young coal miner with a passion for trapeze flying. Uh, despite facing numerous obstacles and societal expectations, Kim Yong-mi dreams of becoming an acrobat in the national circus. It's a story of absolute girl power with determination and perseverance. She embarks on a journey to achieve her dreams, challenging traditional gender roles and inspiring those around her. The film explores themes of ambition, resilience and the pursuit of dreams in the face of adversity. I would definitely recommend it, especially if it is your first ever North Korean film that you will be seeing. It's a very, very cool film. It's very easily accessible. I think I've spoken about it on the podcast before. Um, it is um, half kind of North Korean produced, half Western produced, so it's very, very accessible um, if it's definitely uh, one of your first films. And it is a film. It's not a documentary. It's like a feature-length film in North Korea. So we spoke about that um, on the podcast today with Nick. Um, and all of the ones that I'm about to reel through, they're all ones that um, Nick or Choreo Tours and Choreo Studio have had some involvement in in some way, shape or form. The next one that we mentioned on the podcast with Nick was The Game of Their Lives. Now, this is the football one that we spoke about, um, the one that tells the story of the footballers who's, who, you know, got against all odds, got into the quarterfinals in... Um, in Italy, uh, sorry, they, they won Italy, um, and this was all in the UK, and it's, uh, you know, there was big rumours going around that they um, were put into camps after not winning and stuff like that, so um, 
it's it tells this incredible story. It's a sports drama based on this true story. It's actually a documentary about these people, um, these footballers. They went in and they found these footballers who played in this match. It's it's an absolutely incredible, heartwarming tale, and just really interesting access that they get. And uh, it's it's just incredible. I really recommend watching the game of their lives. Next up is A State of Mind. This is a 2004 documentary. It's a documentary film that provides an intimate look into the lives of two North Korean gymnasts preparing for the mass games. This is a grandiose display of synchronized gymnastics and ideological pageantry um, and has been known as, you know, won the Guinness World Book of, Book of World Records for the largest human show on earth. This is what Nick was talking about when he was saying that, um, you know, following the lives so closely of the girls until, you know, they had to pull their pull the sheets over their head because they were so sick of camera crews following them around. They really got unprecedented access into the lives of of real North Korean people. Um, it offers a really rare glimpse into the, this closed-off society by following these two young gymnasts. Um, this is Park Hyun-sun and Kim Song-yun and their rigorous training routines. It explores the immense pressure they face to perform flawlessly and their unwavering devotion to the country's ideology. And through their personal stories, you really get um, to know a good insight on the realities of life in North Korea. And finally, in terms of the documentaries that we talked about, um, Nick also mentioned the documentary Crossing the Line, which is a 2006 documentary, um, delves into the remarkable story of James Joseph Dresnok. He is an American soldier who defected to North Korea in 1962. He's not the only one that did so, but he was at that time the only remaining survivor. He has since passed away. Um, the film examines Dresnok's motivations for defecting and chronicles his life in North Korea over several decades, which, as, North, as um, Nick mentioned, he does also have children there who are still alive today and um, if, interestingly enough they often play like the western people, um, the western baddies in North Korean movies, stuff like that. It explores the complexities of his decision through interviews and archival footage. Crossing Line provides a unique perspective on an extraordinary individual and offers an insight into once again a secretive and enigmatic nation of North Korea. So would definitely recommend all of those. And luckily enough for you guys, all of those are now available on Vimeo to rent uh, or to buy and download. And um, just as Aim High in Creation is now too, that's basically why I wanted to do this, um, this whole podcast episode because before Aim High in Creation was not available online, but now it is, it's available online. It's pretty cheap to purchase. I think it's $5 to rent and then $10 to download. So if you download, obviously you've got it for life. Um, watch it with a friend, stuff like that. Um, so it's not too expensive. And it's a really, really cool documentary. Out of all of these, I could not pick my own. They all have their own interesting quirks about them. I think Nick's point about um, you know, how real Aim High in Creation is, is really interesting. And of course, you guys are probably really curious as to how the actual film ended up in the end. I know throughout the whole time that I was watching, that was the only thing that I wanted to see. I was like, I want to see what she's made of this. You know, what has she learned? What is she going to make? And it is only, you know, the last 10 minutes or so of the film, but very, very interesting. Um, Moreover, there is actually a competition coming out today if you are listening on Thursday the... what is Thursday? I think Thursday the 14th of July. If you are listening this week, um, then you will be able to hit, to see and be the first to take part in the competition that Choreo Studio are running for this release of Aim High and Creation on Vimeo. It's basically, um, you enter a little quiz. It's a really nice, easy quiz online, and you'll probably, by listening to this podcast, you'll um, be able to probably answer the question a lot easier. Um, you basically just have to identify some films, um, and then you get in for a chance of winning. I think it's going to be two uh, rents and one purchase. You can win. Um, so... All of these links are going to be in the show notes, all the links to the films that we talked about, all of the links to the artwork that we also talked about, and the link to Aim High and Creation on Vimeo, as well as the competition where you can win yourself two, um, two rents and one purchase. I think that's what it's going to be. Um, so make sure to check out that as well. And of course, during the meantime, you can also check out all of the other films that I mentioned. Honestly, really, really worth the watch. Um, and... Yeah, 
I hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode, which was a little bit here, there, and everywhere. Um, but uh, I hope that you can now put on aim high in creation, you know, with a lot more context of uh, of the backstage and stuff and what we talked about today. Thank you so much for joining once again. Do remember to tune in again next week where we will be exploring North Korean landscapes. Finally, I know I said I would do that a few weeks ago, um, but I've, I've had guests on and it's all been pretty exciting. So um, make sure to tune in for that and I will look forward to, to hearing from you next week. And do give me your um you know your podcast guest recommendations your topics you'd like me to cover stuff like that anything if you want to just say hi I do actually have a lot of messages of people um just emailing in and saying that they love the podcast if you want to do that it's uh zoe discovers at gmail.com thank you very much you can also find me on all the social medias using that handle too at zoe discovers or at zoe discovers nk thank you very much and tune in next time bye bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.